In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Since Easter, we have been moving chronologically through the biblical account. First, Jesus' resurrection, followed by his appearance to his disciples in the upper room, where he said, peace be with you, and he showed them his hands and his side. Eight days later, he appeared again to the disciples in order to prove to Thomas that he was, in fact, risen from the dead. And he said to Thomas, do you believe because you have seen? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Then, to seven of his disciples, he appeared at the, at the Sea of Tiberias. He filled their empty net with fish, and he restored Peter by the charcoal fire, saying to him, feed my sheep. And this, of course, refers not only to Peter's restoration, but to the pastoral office. Sheep are fed by a shepherd, and shepherd is what the word pastor means. It is these words of Jesus spoken to Peter, feed my sheep, that breaks the chronology. We now go back in time and back in John to chapter 10 in order to learn more about what it means to have Jesus as our shepherd and we be his sheep. So our gospel reading begins with John telling us that it was the time of the Feast of Dedication, a feast that isn't found in your Old Testament scriptures, but will be familiar to you by another name. The Feast of Dedication that brought Jesus to Jerusalem was also called Hanukkah, an eight-day festival instituted by Judas Maccabeus in 167 BC. Under the Seleucids, one of the rulers of the land prior to the Romans, Judas Maccabeus had cleansed the temple and restored its worship. Just a quick history of the temple, I promise, quick. If you recall, the first temple was built by Solomon in the 10th century BC. And this first temple stood until it was destroyed in 587 BC by the Babylonians. Shortly thereafter, the temple was rebuilt. This was during the time of Ezra and Nehemiah. This second temple was finished around the year 515 BC. When it was finished, they had finally rebuilt the temple at the great climax the new generations were celebrating, but the old-timers who knew the glory of the first temple were weeping because the second temple did not live up to the first temple, not in the least. Josephus, Jewish historian, tells us that the colonnade of Solomon, it's where John says that Jesus was walking, the colonnade of Solomon was the only part of the first temple that had remained and was thus part of the second temple. So then hear John's words with that background information. At that time, the Feast of Dedication, Hanukkah, took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the colonnade of Solomon. With this backdrop, we see that a greater than Judas Maccabeus is here. Jesus had come not merely to cleanse the temple, but ultimately to become the new temple. So he said of himself, destroy this temple, 
and in three days I will raise it. Of course, he was speaking of his body, and so he has become our temple. As Jesus is standing in the colonnade of Solomon, John says that the Jews gathered around him, which is a rather polite English translation. They pressed around him, and they were hostile toward him. They finally had him away from the crowds that they perceived as protecting him. They had him alone, surrounded, and vulnerable, and their plan was to stone him to death there in the colonnade of Solomon. So they say, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. If Jesus says that he is the Christ, their stones will fly. After all, it was only mere months later that these very same Jews would crucify Jesus. Today in our gospel text, we hear only the first part of Jesus' answer. When they say, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. He answers this way, I told you. Past tense, we've already covered this ground. I already told you. And you do not believe. The problem isn't my lack of clarity. The problem is your lack of faith. He continues, The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not part of my flock. Now, notice that what Jesus says has nothing at all to do with the Calvinistic teaching that God causes some to go to heaven and he causes others to go to hell. Jesus doesn't say to them, you cannot become part of my flock, nor does he say to them, you cannot believe because you are not part of my flock. Rather, he says, you do not believe because you are not part of my flock. Not only is Jesus telling them plainly who he is, he is telling them plainly who they are. Yes, He is the Messiah. Yes, his works, his preaching, his mercy, his forgiveness, his miracles all prove him to be the Messiah. He is the shepherd of whom David spoke. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And Jesus says, I am that shepherd. I am the good shepherd who lays down his own life for the sheep. So he is telling them plainly who he is, and he is telling them plainly who they are. You do not believe, he says to them. You are not part of my flock. That's the law, the truth. But then what Jesus does for these men who are ready to stone him to death is almost beyond belief, unless, of course, you know something about Jesus. He preaches the gospel to them. He says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. And of course, at those words, the Jews picked up stones to stone him to death. But what had he just said to them? He had just called them to become his sheep. Yes, this is he who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. 
even his most bitter enemies, even those who would murder him on the spot. As Jesus had said earlier, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. And by whoever, Jesus means that there is no sinner that he will not welcome. There is no sinner that Jesus will not forgive. Even those who have hated him, and in hating him have hated God, he will forgive. He has so loved us that while we were still his enemies, while we still hated him, he loved us and gave up his life for us. That's who Jesus is. So first comes the law. He tells the Jews that they are not his sheep. Then the gospel. He invites them to become his sheep, to hear his voice, to be known by him, and to follow him. Though the wages of sin is death, he will give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of his hand. This is how good our good shepherd is. So, if we have lived as if God did not matter, and as if we mattered most, if we have been self-centered creatures, pursuing wealth and success and our own agendas above all else, if we have not loved others as ourselves, but rather used others for what they can do for us, if we have been proud, resentful, or hate-filled, if we have been lewd, impure, or filthy, if we have been greedy, ungrateful, or thankless, if we have been wayward sheep who have gone astray, seeking our own ways instead of the ways of God, if we have been by nature sinful and unclean, then we are precisely those to whom the Good Shepherd calls. Though the wages of our sins is death, he lays down his life for us that we would not perish. With the blood of the Good Shepherd, we sheep have been cleansed, our hearts sprinkled clean. You hear his voice indeed, for it is he who washes you in the waters of holy baptism as he just did little Elijah. It is he who hears your confession and pronounces absolution. It is he who bids you to come to the green pastures and still waters of his love to eat and drink at his table until with the forgiveness of sins and with his divine love your cup runneth over. You hear his voice indeed. You are his sheep. And he knows you. He calls you by, the name, by name. So in the end, it's not what you know or who you know but it's the fact that he knows you. If you are known by Jesus and remembered by Jesus, then you are saved. You will never perish, but rather you will come into his kingdom and be welcomed by him into paradise. He knows you better than you know yourself. He calls you by name. You are his. And he bids you to follow him, to be conformed into his image, to go where he leads, and where he is go that where he is going, we may go also, now and for all eternity. St. Paul was so convinced of this love of the Good Shepherd 
that he would write, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And as Jesus says, no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So according to Jesus, there is no Father apart from the Son. There is no God apart from Jesus. As Jesus says and does, so the Father says and does. They are one. So Jesus is the good shepherd. And shepherd put in Latin is pastor. Jesus is our good pastor. And that takes us all the way back to our Easter narrative. When Jesus tells Peter to feed his sheep, When Jesus calls men into the pastoral office, he is doing this for us and for our salvation. Our Lutheran confessions get this exactly right. They show how the gospel and the pastoral office work together. Article 4 of the Augsburg Confession says, Our churches teach that people cannot be justified before God by their own strength, merits, or works. People are freely justified for Christ's sake, through faith, when they believe that they are received into favor and that their sins are forgiven for Christ's sake. By his death, Christ made satisfaction for our sins. God counts this faith for righteousness in his sight. And immediately after, Article 5 says, so that we may obtain this faith. The ministry of teaching the gospel and administering the sacraments was instituted. Through the word and sacraments, as through instruments, the Holy Spirit is given. He works faith when and where it pleases God. And those who hear the good news that God justifies those who believe that they are received into grace for Christ's sake. Our confessions get it exactly right. We are saved by Christ alone. There is nothing in us. We are saved by Christ alone and by grace alone and through faith alone. And so that we may obtain this faith, our good shepherd calls and sends pastors to preach his gospel and administer his sacraments to us. That's the point of this Sunday. Jesus is risen. He is the good pastor And he now does his pastoral work through the pastoral office. It is his office, his gospel, his sacraments. So let us hear his voice and gladly receive all that he gives. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please rise for prayer.